welcome to the At Peace Parents podcast. I'm Casey, and I'm here to empower you in your decision-making as a parent of a demand-avoidant child. My goal is to share insights that will generate aha moments and support your connection with your child. I'm a mom of two amazing little boys, one of whom is PDA, and I've worked with hundreds of parents just like you to teach them how to lead their child out of burnout and find the clarity, peace, and sense of community they need. Empathy, saying sorry, and your PDA child or teen. So I want to tell you guys how I shifted from trying to teach empathy and worrying about my son having no empathy or emotions to long-term focus on providing accommodations and nervous system support so that he could access the part of his brain where empathy resides. Okay, so let's talk about it. So three and a half years ago, when I had first moved to Michigan from Washington, D.C., I was a full-time caregiver for initially just my PDA son because I had put my one-year-old in full-time daycare so I could just focus entirely on supporting Cooper. However, once the pandemic started, everybody was home and it was just me. So, you know, This was a very difficult time, as you guys can imagine, and there was a time when I was walking down the stairs with laundry that I was trying to fold, and I slipped on the stairs and, like, hit my back and tailbone on these wooden stairs and, like, sort of fell into the living room. And my one-and-a-half-year-old was there, and so was my, at the time, five-and-a-half-year-old PDA son. And what happened was the one-and-a-half-year-old started screaming because he was scared that I had hurt myself, and I was crying, and I was, like, not getting up. And my PDA son started laughing and making fun of me, and now I understand it as, like, going into the funster response, right, where he perceived threat, and he was sort of equalizing and trying to get back to a place of nervous system safety. But what it felt like to me as a mother was that he was making fun of me, had no empathy, didn't care about me at all. And it was really just compounding this sensation as a mother of like, no matter what I do, I'm failing and I only get negative feedback, right? Starting when he was an infant, just like couldn't soothe him. When I tried to soothe him, it would be like screaming, crying, back arched. When he was about four and a half years old, he said, stop saying that. When I would say, I love you, he would push me away when I would hug him, etc. So just constant negative feedback and this sensation that there wasn't any empathy there, that he didn't care about me and that there wasn't empathy. So this was a situation where I had hurt myself, not where he had hurt me. But there were many instances where he would like punch me or kick me, whether it was intentional or not. Sometimes it was unintentional with like not understanding where his body was in space and like big reaction. Other times it was, you know, a nervous system reaction where I would get hit, punched, or just like verbal aggression. Right? And during these years, understanding what I do about the brain, right? (laughs) Where this behavior is coming from is in this red part, which is the survival brain. But as a mother, even if I cognitively know, like, hey, this isn't under his control, it's not actually a reflection of how he feels about you, it sure feels bad as a mom. But during those years, I would not make him say sorry. And the reason for this is because I knew that the cost of making him say sorry would be nervous system activation. And the cost of cumulative nervous system activation 
question, especially coming out of burnout, would be that he would continue to decrease his eating, decrease his speaking, and increase his behavior. So I could recognize that direct trade-off cognitively and with my rational brain, even if emotionally it felt like shit. Okay, so there were years when I didn't make him say sorry. And I just kept having to trust the logic of the brain, right? Of like how this is actually working and how those moments and choice points are causally related to his overall nervous system well-being and what part of the brain he's operating in. Fast forward to this last summer and lots of therapy in between EMDR, lots of talk therapy, all the things to like rewire myself around this sensation and identity of like, I'm a bad mom, I just get negative feedback, he doesn't even want me to say I love you, etc. Fast forward to this past summer, and Cooper and I did a very special trip to work on our connection, which was we did the safe and sound protocol together. Caveat, I could not have done this four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, we had a solid foundation of trust. So like, I always hesitate to share therapies or things that I do because people are like, oh, that's the fix, right? But like, really, this is a sequential process. And without years of accommodating, this would not have happened. That's my caveat. So we were doing this nervous system healing together and we were like working on our connection and we were working with an occupational therapist. So we did some OT sessions and in one of the OT sessions, he wanted to be in this dark room. He was sort of inside of lycra materials, sort of like a birthing canal. And he was inside this ball pit with fluorescent lights, but the lights off. And he was sort of like coming out and going back in. And the therapist prompted me like, why don't you join him? Because thematically, the five days, this was sort of like a rebirth. (laughs) And so I got in and he was just like coming out at the time when I was coming in and he smashed his face into mine. And like, I got a bloody lip and it hit my nose. And I just started crying because I was there for seven days, just he and I in Colorado. And like, I was doing all the caregiving, one-on-one attention, de-escalation, all the things. And I just sort of lost it. And like, I didn't hear what had happened in the moment. But the therapist told me later that he said, I'm sorry, in the moment that it happened, but I was so activated, I couldn't hear it. And so the therapist saw how upset I was and sort of prompted Cooper to say it again, so that I could hear it. And he was like, I just said it, I'm not saying it, right? Because, you know, it's a loss of autonomy, and putting oneself above a child teen individual to be like, you need to do this, right? And that's the only time in the seven days we both of us sort of stepped into that energy because we were both upset by what had happened. My mouth was bleeding and I was crying, right? But she told me later, like, he said, sorry, I heard it, etc. But I didn't feel that as a mother. Fast forward to Wednesday (laughs) of this week when I had my migraine. And sometimes I get migraines after I do like two and a half hours of spot coaching live for the Paradigm Shift program because I'm like, you know, I'm live with parents or coming off of mute and I'm like staying regulated and like honing in all the things. And like if I try and do something after that, and I know this now, like I will get a migraine. Like it's too much for my nervous system. But I didn't listen to myself, didn't listen to my own boundaries, got a migraine. The aftermath has been pretty terrible. And 
Yesterday, I woke up. Yesterday's Monday, so you can see how long this lasted. And I woke up and I was just feeling terrible. And the kids were like screaming and making noise and like doing the things that kids do, right? Especially PDA kids. And my husband came home from the gym and I was like telling him like, he's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, the kids are so loud and like my head hurts. And I was reactive. And Cooper came over to me. He gave me a hug. He said, I'm sorry, mama. And I was like, mind blown because this is like after the course of years and years that he voluntarily said, I'm sorry. And I said, and I sort of snapped me back into my thinking brain. And I was like, oh, honey, like kids are allowed to be loud. Like mommy just had a headache. You don't need to apologize for that. But it just was like this full circle moment where he actually said, I'm sorry, and demonstrated empathy, right? Which is for so long, something that I had to trust was there. However, I didn't see or feel it as a mother. And so what I want to say here is that so often we're focused on like, we need to teach them empathy or they don't have empathy, but rather what's really going on is that when they have cumulative nervous system activation, they're really just existing from that red part of the brain, which is the downstairs brain or the survival brain where we can't access empathy, right? And so the accommodation approach and all of these counterintuitive things, like not making your kids say sorry and trusting that they have empathy they're just not in the part of the brain where they can access it which is the frontal lobe so this story also demonstrates the degree of trust that we have to have with our kids where we're watching them give us negative emotional feedback or not saying sorry in the moments that you know they've made mistakes hurt somebody whether intentionally or based on the nervous system however over the long term the more they're operating from the frontal lobe the more we see that empathy that already exists. So that's the main point I want to make is just like, I have felt for years, felt in my body, my son doesn't have empathy, even though cognitively I knew that it was there. But this recent migraine situation, it was one of the first times I got to feel what my what my brain knew to be true. So I wanted to share that story with you because I think it's hopeful. I think it illustrates one of the worries many of us parents have about our children not having empathy. I know not all of you have that worry because some of our kids are more snuggly or say I love you or more verbal, giving verbal affirmations, but a lot of us have kids like mine who don't do that. <laughs> Thanks everyone for being here with me at the At Peace Parents podcast. This is your source for all things related to understanding, supporting, accommodating, and advocating for your PDA child. To go deeper on any of these topics, check out my course offerings and masterclasses at the website www.atpeaceparents.com. To completely transform the way you think about and relate to your child and to bring peace and stability to your home, Join us for the next cohort of the Paradigm Shift program.